Alright everybody, gather around. Welcome to episode 39 of The Point of Pittsburgh, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. Steve, um, I gotta say, we've done some podcasts where you've actually been driving yep. with a dog in the car uh, across the country. Yep. Um, we've been different time zones for most of this podcast. Uh, and now that you're finally back in the Pittsburgh metro, you are recording this from your bathroom like a weirdo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, we we are in a brand spanking new apartment. We haven't quite furnished it yet, and the one room that I have that makes sense for me to record in uh, was very very echoey. So you know, and we're we're here to give the, the listener the highest possible sound quality uh, available to them. So I uh, the best acoustics happen to be the bathroom. So that's where I'm at. And dear listener, Steve assures me that he's wearing pants. I well, he pants. does this uh, does this pod, so um, so it looks like it's uh, my turn on the couch, and if you don't mind, I'm going to talk about something baseball, but not pirate related, and that is the fact that the world is a dark and terrible place, and we can't enjoy nice things, uh, and this is related to Shohei Otani tearing his uh, his elbow ligament yeah. for the second time. We're in the midst of last season and this season, two of the greatest individual seasons that we've ever seen uh, in Major League Baseball history because of the fact that he is a two-way player. Um, he's a legit MVP candidate with the bat. He is, I believe going to win the MVP in general uh, just because of his two-wayness but even if you just looked at his uh, offensive profile I'd say he would have a really tremendous case just to win it on his bat alone mm-hmm. um, and to make matters even sadder uh, he's a pending free agent so could he have a very rapid Bryce Harper-like return from his own Tommy John surgery? Yeah. But I really wanted to see what kind of price he was going to secure on the open market this year. Um, there were some insane numbers tossed around of like $500 million, and that's probably just not going to happen anymore. Um, I'm a big believer that when you're, when you're in the presence of all-time greatness, you got to respect it, whether it involves your team or not. And uh, it saddens me. You know, I share Otani's stats and accomplishments with my oldest son. He's now 16. Just to kind of like reinforce, you're seeing something that has never been seen before, you know. Um, And it also just reinforces that the Angels apparently uh, built their stadium on an Indian burial ground of some sort. Because between Mike Trout and Otani, uh, the fact that they've been so miserable for so many years is just unfathomable. So uh, I wish you well, Otani-san, and uh, that's it. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, Kevin, I hear you. Uh, and yeah, it is. Uh, 
it is sad. It's very, very sad. I still wouldn't be surprised, though, if somebody's like, well, you know, we might be able to get him on a slight bargain. Um, he's going to get signed this offseason regardless of the health. I mean, somebody I think is going to lock him up because even if he can't pitch again, I mean, he's still going to be able to hit, you know. Yep. So um, it is definitely going to not be as crazy of a contract, but somebody might sign him to a still ludicrous deal um, on the chance that they're going to save a little bit of money on on a great player. So, um, But anyway, so... Uh, so that's what went wrong for Shohei Itani. Um, there's a lot that's gone wrong in this Pirates season, though, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, it has its own barrel of sadness. Um, it, I really, it's it's almost uh, like it's some hazy dream of April. Like, mm-hmm. there's times where I've been thinking of it lately, and it's like that must have happened last year. Like, this is a completely different. There's like two seasons in one this year. It's really weird. Um, so, yeah, we just thought we'd uh, depress all of our listeners this week and kind of do a little bit of a semi-chronological rundown on what went wrong. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's weird that I'm, I'm going to leave this one off, Steve, on the yeah. rundown here. It, it's weird to say that Nothing bad happened in April because, you know, counting the one win from March, they finished April 20 and 8. But um, O'Neill Cruz went down with a really terrible foot injury sure. in uh, in the first week. And at the time when it happened, it was like good vibes. This town was or this team was running on vibes only. And everyone was like, oh, he'll be back in August in time for the playoff run. And uh, this week we we learned that he has quote plateaued in his recovery, and with us staring down the barrel of September, it sure feels like he's going to not suit up again in 2023. Yeah, we did not learn this week that there was not going to be a playoff run. We we learned that a long time ago, but it just, yes. it still does suck because this is is literally the dude that this franchise needs to be built around and he he lost an entire year of development um i, I mean it, it's hard to say whether or not they're even going to like you know my, my thoughts were is he would be back end of august uh, and then he would you know run it out you know during the uh, dominican winter leagues i'm questioning whether or not they'll even have him go to the dominican winter leagues even for the full season you know uh, or even for part part of the season uh, you know it it does i mean you know i mean it's you'd like to have seen him at least get a cup of coffee back in the majors again so in that way you know you know he can you know have reasonably normal like off season workouts and try to make up for some lost time but at this point, it is looking like he is not coming back. Uh, you know, I mean, if he does, it's it's going to be maybe a game or two. And, and I don't quite see the point of that. I mean, I guess the reality of it is, is just, you know, get him ready for spring training next year at this point. You know, let's hope there's no lingering long-term effects, you know, especially, you know, from the ankle, let alone the, the possible loss of development. Yeah. So uh, what's next up on your trail of tears? Well, I mean, I think this is this. So this is when, you know, 
crap sort of really started to hit the fan, and that was basically the Vince Vasquez injury. Um, you know, things were going very well to that point. His first injury was on the uh, 4th of May, and I, I don't think, you know, you know, he had a 0.7 war that first month. I, I think we underestimate just how important he was to this team. Uh, yep. You know, he was uh, he was a stopper at times when he needed it, but, I mean, that gave them really three very solid arms in the rotation. And, you know, in the beginning of the season, you know, I, I mean, Bronzy hadn't quite hit the skids just yet either. And we'll, we'll talk about Ronzi and, and how he was a part of the uh, – the fallout. Um, but I mean, you know, this is a dude that was, uh, so, so this, the, the, this injury sort of double screws the pirates in the sense that, you know, I, I think it hurts their ability to contend and it, 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 it shortens the depth on their rotation. They're already sort of, because I believe by the 5th of May, Burroughs was already injured and, and under the knife or it, it, I'm, yep. I'm correct in saying that, right? So we already knew yeah, that we were think, down Brubaker. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. What were you going to say? No, I, I was going to say, I think uh, Burroughs was announced in late April as having, okay. having his own TJ. Yeah, so we had, we're we already down. We're, and when we talked a lot about the, 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 the depth of the rotation being completely obliterated, um, you know, uh, last week. So I don't want to wax too much on that. But so, so you've already got two pieces of the rotation out. Um, thankfully, Oviedo had stepped in and was looking pretty good, uh, at least replacing Brubaker. But, you know, the Pirates really never had an answer for Velasquez. And that last space, you know, I mean, uh, they pressed Ortiz in action. Or- Ortiz still might not be ready at this point. I mean, he's he's really just struggled this entire year. Um, you know, so, so uh, like I said, they, they could afford one loss, but they couldn't afford two. I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah, and you know, we're we're gonna kind of keep talking about the the pitching. It's not like the bats have been stellar all year, but uh, both both Ronzi and and Ortiz. I'm gonna kind of package them together. Uh, with with Contreras, when you drop that much velocity year mm-hmm. over year, to me that screams arm injury, sure, of some sort. But they say no and. You know he's he's out there still trying to work through it, but man, that's a lot of miles per hour, uh, two miles plus, I believe, in in one year. Um, I just don't know how you have it, and then you don't all of a sudden at at his age. It's not like he's rich hill. And then yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this question out here for you about Ortiz. Are we sure? that Ortiz was actually good or did he just have a really hot few months last year and quasi fool us and some other folk? So what we knew is that the, the, the fastball slider combo was excellent. We knew that last year. Um, We knew that that wasn't going to play in the major leagues for very long in a starting role if he didn't develop his changeup or another pitch. Okay, so um, so we, we knew that there were some flaws. We knew that there were some pretty significant flaws, and we've talked about those flaws pretty often on this podcast. So um, we are 
at a point now where he still, you know, isn't ready to showcase those other two pitches. Like he, he you know, the changeup was, it seemed like he was doing a little better with it for a little while, but I mean, it's, I, I don't think it's there. It's still not a major league ready pitch. Um, and then he had a sinker that he added, which is great. You know, everybody gets a sinker. That's, that's the Pirates pitching philosophy. So um, he did not add those other two pitches. So he's now, and, and he lost a little bit of velocity too. So that shiny fastball is not quite as shiny as it once was. Uh, and he's also not commanding it well either. So I, I think some of it was he burst onto the scenes and shocked people with his stuff. But at the same time, people were looking past the, the challenges that he still had ahead of him to actually establish himself as a major league pitcher. Does that seem like a fair assessment? It it does. I'm just I'm kind of just going back on him a little bit and just thinking, you know, he sort of was like a pop up prospect last year, mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering if we got a little out of not just me and you, but everybody got a little ahead of ourselves on him. See, I think the reason why I didn't allow myself to get ahead on him is because I said, you know, he's got a floor. And that floor is as a pretty high-end relief pitcher. And I still do think that if he doesn't get his act together as a starter next season, we're going to see the Pirates shift him to a bullpen role. And I think he could potentially be dominant out of the bullpen. And, and I mean, well, is that what you want from your top 100 pitching prospects? No, not necessarily. But at the same time, if, if, that's, a, if that's a pretty safe fallback, you know, a guy that can be a, a contributor to a potential lockdown seventh, eighth, ninth inning. Um, and I still think he can be that. So, I mean, and, and really that was kind of our, you know, I, I kind of thought that was a, a very likely place for him to end up anyway. Um, but, you know, there's there's still value add from a, a high-end uh, relief pitcher. Yeah. So so what's next on, on your side of the docket? Well, in May, the schedule also got tougher. And I, I that I want to also sort of like smacks of an excuse making, but it, it legitimately did. I mean, the, the, the April that they played was, was pretty, it was a pretty cupcake show, you know? And, and I mean, like they're, you know, they, they were, they played Cincinnati a bunch before Cincinnati was good. You know, the Washington series, they really, the, 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 the sort of the, 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 the swan song of the hot, um, of the hotness, you know, um, I mean, you know, tough teams they played in there. I mean, they played ball. They went played Boston in Boston. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think if there was anybody else that was really anything special then, you know, um, but it just kind of just sort of came, came crashing down for them. Like, you know, and then ultimately in May, you know, they, they did have one series against, uh, uh, a downtrodden Oakland A's and they ended up getting swept in that one. So I guess maybe that is kind of, maybe, it, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with schedule difficulty and they just kind of poop their pants in general. Scientific term. Okay. Poop their pants. Um, yes. Yeah. So w- with all this attrition between the injuries that you talked about and Runzi and uh, Ortiz struggling, and then the trading of Rich Hill. They they've just run out of arms. Yeah. Uh, they brought up Priester, and 
Who boy, that did mm-hmm. not go well. And um, I didn't expect it to, you know, again. Yeah. But go ahead. We'll talk more about him in a second. You know, and, and Osvaldo Bido is like the clearest example of times through the rotation that I've, I could ever point to. Uh, because once people get one look at them, they're ready to tee off on them. Uh, we have guys that I swear are just AI-generated names starting for us now. Um, we're doing a lot of bullpen stuff. Rob Scrabble tonight came back, uh, to the majors, all hail, and he was an opener. And then Andre Jackson, who I thought was part of Outcast before this season, he came in after Rob Scrabble and put up put up six innings, and that's just what they're doing now because they just have nobody left to start outside of Keller and Oviedo. Yeah, and I, I think that's why we saw Quinn Priester up, and that's why I think Ortiz is back up again. You know, um, you know they're just they're just trying, they're just trying anything that they can that they can get their uh, you know. Get, get up on the mound that has a pulse at this point. Um, and, and some of it might work out and they might, we might actually be setting some guys up to be middle relievers next year. Um, Bailey Falter has, you know, done quite well so far, I think in his, his brief tenure with the pirates uh, to this point. So, I mean, I'm not going to complain about him at all, but yeah, it's, um, it is, it's, it's, it is just been tough, you know, in, in terms of, you know, the, Rotations aren't meant to go 10, 11 deep. And no. that's what the Pirates have been asked to do this year. And, and I yeah. mean, you know, most, I, I shouldn't say most, I should say almost every, you know, almost every major league team would struggle if they had to test their depth as much as the Pirates have this season. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, you know, with, with Cruz going down, we all thought, Oh, that's no big deal because, you know, pure vibes. Uh, Everything was, we're all going to live forever in April, you know, that mentality. And for a while there, I thought they actually looked like they might be able to to fake it a little bit. Um, But middle infield got real messy real quick. And uh, you, you have some thoughts on shortstop and second base. Yeah, I mean, and and this will kind of lead into another point, but right now, in terms of, if you look at the Pirates position by position, up and down, um, six of the nine positions are about average or a little bit better. Um, you know, there's three that are below average, okay, or excuse me, that are that are well below replacement and and near the bottom of the league, okay, and two of them are shortstop and second base. I mean, shortstop, obviously, you're going to take a hit, you know. I mean, you never want to be your second guy up to be that far below replacement level and not have any answers. Um, you know, Marcano was looking like a guy that could do stuff for a little while, um, you know. Uh, but, you know, he obviously, he he sort of ended the, the hot streak. And, you know, he's, he's kind of like, you know, he, he flamed out a little bit. And now, obviously, he's hurt for the season, too. So, um yeah, Lika Williams is kind of stabilized. He's nothing flashy, but I mean, he's uh, he's done enough with the bat and enough with the glove that he hasn't like hurt the team below that replacement level. He hasn't really done much to help, 
but he's um, he's been better than anybody else, which is sort of saying a lot. Second base, I had some high hopes for coming into the season. And again, this is going to be a theme that we're going to talk about here, uh, that I'm going to talk about again. But uh, there were a lot of guys that could potentially have stepped up at this possession at some point uh, in in the year, you know, over the course of the year. Um, and no one just really did. Like, uh, there's guys that sort of flashed here, but they never, like, locked it down. And, and I think we talked about this pretty recently, too. But, you know, Bay, Nick Gonzalez... Um, Peguero's doing okay, um, you know, but he's he's done the best out of all of them, but that might just also be because he hasn't had enough time to sort of flame out at this point either. Um, you know, he's getting close to that 100 sample size where you can say, okay, this is actually, like, legitimate at this point. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's just... Uh, Rodrigo Castro, I mean, you, you name a number of other guys too. You know, it's it's a laundry list. But nobody's really nobody's really stepped up. You know, um Gonzalez is actually he didn't really uh, I mean he was basically replacement level. He, obviously he's back in the minors, you know, working on some things. He he didn't like look terrible, terrible, but um, you know, so I mean I think they've gotten a little better as they've gone to the real prospects, but it's still not good enough. Still not good enough. Still would be well below average at the position. So they haven't, they, the Pirates just haven't had answers, you know, in two really crucial positions. Um, you know, and, and one, obviously, you know, you get a little bit of an excuse because your top dog goes down. But you shouldn't have just nothing to spare at shortstop. Yeah. So, you know, kind of continuing on the the, the bats, um his nature as a person is he's kind of very quiet and blends into the background, but he's tried to sort of blend into the background with this season. And that's Brian Reynolds. And he's, he's really on pace to have his worst offensive season as a pirate. Um, it's just not been good enough, especially in the wake of signing that contract. He's looking to have uh, right now, as we record this, he has a 113 weighted runs created, which is down from his peak year of 141 and down from last year of uh, 125. He's just a shade over two war right now, 2.2. So it's highly unlikely he's going to eclipse last year's 2.8. And they just flat out need him to be better. Uh, I really don't know what else to say about it. It's just been a very blah campaign from him uh, post-April. I'm going to qualify that and say I believe he's playing hurt, um, but it's still just not good enough. Yeah, he's gotten hot a couple of times here, or for a few weeks, I shouldn't say a couple of times, the last few weeks, and, and so he's he's hitting a little bit more like what we need to see from him, but he needs to be a five-war player. I mean, that's just, or a three, at least the three-and-a-half-war player. You know, somebody that's going to be an impactful player for this team. So, um, next thing I want to talk about is that the Pirates have had seventh inning issues all season long. Uh, if you actually go look at the, um, you know, if you, if you look at the, 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 the you know, the, the Pirates inning by inning ERA, it is um, the second highest inning, the first inning being the worst, um, which, I mean, <laughs> 
you, you know, when, when you're looking at the revolving door, the rotation that the Pirates had, I guess that kind of makes sense. But they've never had a guy in that seventh inning role. And I don't know how many blown saves happened in the seventh, but it sure felt like a lot, you know. Um, but, I mean, and, and it's going to be a lot when you're sporting a five-plus ERA, um, you know, in, in that, uh, you know, in that one inning, uh, when you should be trying to lock games down. Um, I mean, obviously, um, started the season injury to the guy that was meant to be in that role. Um, but they just, again, it was like shortstop. It's like they just didn't have the next guy up was, you know, they didn't have a plan for the next guy up in case anything happened. And the chances of you getting through an entire season with your top three relief pitchers totally intact and healthy, it seems like a long shot. So I think the Pirates were really uh, remiss uh, in not having a better solution there. Yeah, I, I think part of it is that they just never had the right guys healthy at the right time. Um because they they originally had uh, Will Crow in the setup role and Holderman in the seventh, and then uh, Crow flamed out, and then they finally moved Holderman into the setup role. And then Moretta was kind of in and out with some injuries, and he had a little bit of ineffectiveness at times. And it, it felt like once they had Moretta, Holderman, and Bednar all at the peak of their powers there uh they were cooking with gas for a while and then you know like i said moretta and holderman each had their own injuries and kind of kind of bounced back and forth i felt like they just never had the three guys all healthy at the same time yeah i mean that might be that might be a more fair way of looking at it i i actually like i like the pirates bullpen moving forward i do too Um, but you know now here we are with Perdomo going on the sixty day DL. Moretta is uh, is is out uh, of the of the team right now, and um, Johan Ramirez is back down in AAA. So there's just a lot of turbulence, and uh, it's just grim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I agree with you though. I think that that the bullpen moving forward is a glimmer of hope. And I'm sure that sometime in a future episode, and I think we hinted at this last week as well too, you know, we'll definitely look at the bullpen and and what that structure might be, you know, uh, in, in, you know, going into next season and, and why it should be a strength. But yeah, it took a long time for them to figure it out. And and they really jam Darry Moretta in that like flame, you know, or excuse me, that, um, that fireman role where it was, yeah. you know, they were, you know, he was just, the, he was going in in situations where, um, you know, there was bases loaded, no outs, and they expected him to like strike out the side, you know, and he did a couple of times, you know, but so he got sort of like typecast, I feel like, um, you know, and, and, and really he was pitching well enough that he should have been in kind of a setup role with clean innings. Um, you know, as far as, um, but one of the things going back to sort of our, our last off season and our last off season's topics, um, we were constantly talking about, you know, um, how this season was about, um, developing a critical mass of talent at the major league level and, and having those players sort of gather to get them ready to compete 
for 2024. So after I say some nice things about the future of of, of the bullpen, you know, um, they really didn't have any of those guys step up at least early enough in the season to impact this season. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think Endy's looking great. I, I think he's looking like a guy that, that you know, is going to be a leader for the Pirates at catcher um, moving forward. I think Peguero is looking promising at times if, you know, he can just, you know, get out from behind Vinny Capra. I mean, I just don't know. I, I don't know how he's going to get out. You know, he's just blocked at this point. My goodness, you know. Um, uh, but... When I look at the some of the the top 100 prospects that they've called up this year, you know, three of them, Ortiz, Priester, and Davis have combined for a negative 1.4 F4, and that's not indicative indicative of what they're going to do into the future. You know, this might be just their way of getting some growing pains out of the way, um, and and giving them some things to work on. Um, you know, and and they'll just bounce back and they'll be fine. I mean, we saw a lot of promise from Davis. Um, Priester even looked really good at times. You know, we saw what 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 um, it, Ortiz could do last year, and you know, like I said, he's still got the right tools to be a, a bullpen arm at the very least. You know, so um, but no one, none. But but again, you know, and he got called up way too late. You know, I mean, his he had struggles in the minors early in the season. So he, he didn't get called up in enough time to, like, force the Pirates' hand to where, like, the season was basically already over by the time Andy got called up. Um, you know, the other guys just didn't really contribute. And, again, you know, maybe Davis should have forced their hand a little earlier or they should have allowed Davis to force their hand a little earlier. But, I mean, you know, he wasn't going to catch, like, you know, and right field is the other. The, the, that Right field's that third spot that I mentioned that is well below lead productivity at this point. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's just been rough, you know, and, and like I said, I'm, I, like I said, I hope all three of those guys turn around and they have long successful major league careers, but they just did not, they didn't help the team this year. Yeah. It's, um, you know, part talking about that critical mass of talent, we, we still needed to see what O'Neill Cruz was up to. Sure. And that's that's a big loss that we weren't even really forecasting. You know, we were just assuming he was going to be here, and we're, he was going to everyone was going to sort of kind of coalesce around him. So, right. um, you know, that's that's a big deal for why this critical mass hasn't uh, taken off yet. So, I I think we've depressed everyone yeah. uh, who's still stuck. Yeah, who's still stuck with us. So why don't we maybe cheer it up and talk about some three stars here for, for the past week? Because they are playing a little better lately. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Let's, let's, uh, let's close on a high note. So my third star would be Bailey Falter. I mentioned him as doing pretty well, um, you know, in his time as a pirate. Had a real nice start the other day. Um, went six innings. You know, it doesn't seem like the Pirates are really pushing arms that much in terms of length at this point, you know, late in the year. So it was just nice to uh, nice for him to have a good run out. Uh, and I'm looking for him to uh, have a similar role to what he had for the Phillies next year. Uh, or excuse me, a similar role to what he had for the Phillies this year with the Pirates next season. But we'll get into that in the future. So that's, that's more of an off-season topic. Uh, yeah. Very good. 
So my third is, uh, I'm kind of questioning why I have him at three here, but it, it's kind of, maybe I just want to highlight some other folks this week, but it's recurring third star or three star, and that's Mitch Keller. Um, another great start this year against the Twins. Went six innings, 12 strikeouts, one walk, two earned runs. Uh, got the win for them up in the Twin Cities. And uh, just what an interesting year for him. I, I still want to see him locked up to a long-term deal. Um, I think maybe his price has gone down a little bit. But, um, yeah, Mitch Keller, that's it. That's a bit. Yeah, and I kind of picked that. I'm not going to lie, I picked Falter because I did want to talk about somebody else. But, yeah, he did have a great great outing and actually yeah. probably had the best pitching performance of the week. But, I, again, I wanted to talk about somebody else. So, yep. uh, my number two, and there was a lot. I feel like there were a lot of players that I could have gone with with number two. But I'm going to go with Andrew McCutcheon. Um, I'm going old school with him, pure counting stats. You know, he had eight hits this week, seven RBIs, two home runs. We don't we don't do that very often on this show. Um, go old school, but uh, in you know, but Kutch had a really uh, he had a really solid solid week, um, and it's always nice to see him do that. Um, you know, still rooting for him, still excited for him to be a pirate. Looking forward to seeing what he can do next year as well. So he's my number two as, as well. It, it's sort of I kind of got a couple vibes of. Well, this is a great way to end it. Uh, are we a hundred percent sure he's coming back next year? Yeah, I don't know. I think he is. I, I think he yeah. is. Maybe he's not. I, it doesn't. You know, it, it still is a great way to end it. You know, one way or the other. Like yeah. it's, it's cool that he came back, even if it's for a year. I, I think he'll be back. Yep. I've, I've heard rumors that he was supposed to be back, but you, you're. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I mean, you know, it's um, it, it's certainly better than him you know, signing a contract with a one-day contract with the Pirates so we can retire with them in the off-season after playing, you know, for another team the entire year, you know. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, I think think if you were going to actually – nah, you know what, it's – I think I'm just speculating. I probably don't know what I'm talking about with this, so I'm just going to shut up. So my first star, and I would assume yours, is the doubles machine, Connor Joe. Um, Yep. But he's uh, he he really crushed this week. Um, you know, he's another guy that you know that got hot in April and kind of cooled off and was meh the whole season. We we could have very easily talked about him uh, in here, but uh, I think the Pirates have had a trouble figuring out exactly how to use him. But I, I think they're I think it's starting to make sense, um, and, and and I think he's starting to to you know see right handed pitching a little better too. Um, so, uh, you know, all said and done, I, I think he's, uh, he, he was the best pirate this past week. Yeah. Uh, he, he's my number one as well. Um, more walks and strikeouts, yep. uh, weighted runs, weighted runs created of 225. Uh, really not much else to say. Um, I'm, I'm glad to have him back as well. Uh, he really went on a long journey through the desert, mm-hmm. uh, a, a real journeyman career. And I hope he is back next year and he's able to establish some roots with the team that drafted him Yeah, uh, in the same draft as Mitch Keller. 
So yeah. Well, that's it uh, for us. I promise we're gonna eventually have some good vibes on this podcast again. But this was a real, sure. real, real depressing one. Uh, <laughs> it ended up being worse than I thought. I, when I when I wrote the rundown up. I was like, yeah, this is going to be fine. This is going to be real analytical. But I feel like just like our tone, I think maybe it's, we're recording this a little later at night. So I think maybe we're just a little bit more tired. Maybe it's the, you know, the sewer fumes, you know, getting into my brain or whatever, you know. But, yeah, I, you know, yeah. but it, it did. It really did. We did take a downer tone this week. So we will do better, I promise. All right. Well, uh, this is where we're going to part company with our listeners, and uh, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. <laughs>